All right. So, um, we started this last week and found that there was just way too much material to try to cover in one week. It's really too much material to try to cover in two weeks, but we'll do our best. Uh, unfortunately, our brother, Pastor Anthony, is not feeling well today, so um, it's just as well that we have something to talk about. Um, but we started in the, in the Lord, with the Lord's Prayer last week, and um, does anyone remember some of the things that we uh, picked up on? Perhaps uh, reminders? Corporate. Uh, corporate. Right. What we're trying to do as we as we take the petition, first we looked at the contrast. He talks about don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the pagans. And so he gives us a contrast of of the wrong idea of prayer that's still out there today. We still see examples of it today. Um, but he says, this is how we ought to pray. And then as we went through the, you know, the introduction, our Father who, in, who art in heaven, right? <laughs> and, and we talked about the, the various aspects of what does that little introduction mean? Um, so we talked about that, and then we started getting into the petitions, and we got to the second petition we have. Hallowed be your name was the first, and your kingdom come was the second. And we talked about what does it mean, and, and what is our responsibility? Obviously, if these are uh, prayers, we're supposed to be praying, um, petitions we're supposed to be praying. God has the intention of answering it, but he uses means. He uses his people to accomplish these things. So uh, this week, we will be starting with the third petition. And for your convenience, I've underlined it. But we'll, we'll, we'll say the prayer. Uh, we'll read the prayer. And then we'll focus on our, our petition. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so the third petition is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this petition, really, it flows right out of the, the, the previous ones. Um, his will being done has to do with his kingdom. His will being done has to do with having his name hallowed. Um, so what are we talking about here when we're praying for his will to be done? What will are we discussing here? If you have any exposure to theology, you might realize there's different wills, or people try to explain it in different ways. You might have heard different explanations, but what are we praying for here when we pray for His will to be done? Well, His decretive will will always happen, right? Do we know what His... <laughs> do we know everything that He's decreed? No. We know it after it happens, <laughs> right? Um, so we can't know that, but we know it's kind of like saying um, when we think about your kingdom come. In one sense, he's always ruling and reigning. There is no question about his authority. Um, and yet we're praying for the kingdom of God to grow, the influence it has, the Jumping to the second part of that petition, but <laughs> but you're right. <laughs> so, so when when one of the things when you say your will be done here on earth is that God's name would be praised and honored mm -hmm. in the true sense, in, in the real heartfelt sense. Mm -hmm. so that would be one part of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it flows, it flows right out of that. We, we talked about that second petition last time and talked about his reign, his influence, his jurisdiction as it would spread. And yeah, it's not just merely geographical. I mean, he says it's, it's not going to be where you can see it. I mean, you think of the people of Israel marching on Canaan, you know, two million or more strong. <laughs> and you can see that kingdom coming. <laughs> Here, it's, it's far more subtle uh, at first. Mm-hmm. That in, in praising God, in honoring God, in his kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven, and doing his will, what was his will, right? That the earth should be taken back, if you will. Yeah, I mean, Adam and Eve were set up to be vice regents, right? They, they were to have dominion. They were to rule. And, you know, not just out of their own imagination, but based on what God had revealed to them. And, and would continue to reveal to him. And so that kind of gave away my... <laughs> it answers the question, what will are we talking about here? Not his decree of will so much as, you know, everything that happens, he has decreed to happen. But his prescriptive will, right? His revealed will, what has he told you, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's, that's what we're looking at here. And we're praying that that would continue to happen. Um, thinking about this, knowing, uh, knowing how this all flows together, we understand that his will is perfect, right? His revealed will <laughs> is perfect. His knowledge and wisdom is perfect and without error. So he has revealed what he wants, what he expects, what he commands of us uh, in his word. And so knowing that when his revealed will is obeyed, it's to his honor, knowing that there are blessings and curses associated with obedience and disobedience respectively, it should be an obvious prayer. I guess that's the part of the problem. Is it obvious that there are blessings and curses, <laughs> curses uh, associated with obedience or disobedience? Well, there are people who profess Christ and people who hold up the, you know, sola scriptura, and yet... How many of them would say, well, yeah, in Deuteronomy, with the nation of Israel, blessings and curses were closely tied to obedience, disobedience, it says it right there. But that was then, you know. And when you think, what are the curses? You know, I was reading through Ezekiel uh, yesterday, and he was talking about the, um, the destruction he would bring. And, and what? Sword, famine, pestilence, and What? Yeah, there's one more. There's four. And I think plague is pestilence. Sword, famine, plague. Someone go look up. It's in Ezekiel 11 to 15. (laughs) Government overreach. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What? Well, a sword would be war. Famine. Um, Someone look up. It's in Ezekiel somewhere between 11 and 15. And and remind me what that... Mm-hmm. As we're praying, right, this is the way we can sort of pray. So our mindset should be such, we should be asking ourselves, if we're saying you will be done, we should be asking ourselves, Lord, what is your will? Mm-hmm. Right? And if, if we're saying it should be done, and we're praying this corporately, how should we as the church bring that about here on earth? What is, what is our responsibility? How does that spell out in my personal life? How does it spell out in the life of the church? Mm-hmm. Is there specific things that I should be doing personally? Mm-hmm. Is there specific things that we should be doing? This, this prayer, we're agreeing that his will should be done. So that should also cause us to question how do we do that for Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do we handle this situation? 
How do we intellectualize it even more so? How do we be proactive to bring his rule about here on earth? Amen. Yeah, that's that's coming to the next part there. Did you find it? Uh huh. Wild beasts. Yeah, I went and, and checked, and I, I look. I know a couple people were looking. Like I gave them five chapters. They're like, ah. <laughs> um, so yeah, sword, famine, wild beasts, and pestilence, and it's pretty similar today. I mean, these are. Uh, you know, we don't see wild beasts as much being an issue. Um, occasionally, you mess with the wrong zoo animal. <laughs> Actually, in other parts of the, con- uh, the world, I should say, um, the hippos and stuff like that, there's lots of, and maybe not the wild beasts, but we think of snakes and spiders and things. And there's, Yes, there's, there's lots of things still killing human beings out there. Um, but no one today would say this is judgment. No, it didn't. Really? Wow. There you go. So it, it still happens today. Still happens today. But think about that. I mean, we, we see wild beasts as less, you know, but when you think about sword, war, famine still happens today, pestilence, COVID anyone, right? When we're seeing these things, who today would say, we should be careful. God could be judging us. Let's have a day of real prayer. <laughs> Let's have a day of fasting. Let's have a day of, of repentance. Oh, sorry. You're not being a good steward of the resources God gave us. What's going to happen? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember hearing, uh, maybe hearing reading. <laughs> it's probably on social media. Someone, you know, railing against wars and stuff like that and saying how we should stop going to war. You can't love your neighbor. Because I happen to know <laughs> the anger that that person holds and gets angry at people so quickly and rants and raves. If you can't love your neighbor, <laughs> how do you think many people are going to be with many people? You know, we don't love our neighbors. And so <laughs> things like that happen, war. Um, we hear of entire towns being destroyed, killed, because the, the water source got polluted, right? You have people who have no regard for neighbor, no regard for the resources of earth that God gave us. And yeah, so these can be just the natural consequences of it. You know, in God's economy, his law works, you know. And so even people who don't honor God, if they actually abide by biblical principles, all things being equal, will, in the temporal, have it better than those who don't. Um, that's why I, I've, you know, if you've heard me talk about it, uh, you know, I don't believe in the prosperity gospel for individuals. But I do kind of believe it for nations, you know, because God doesn't judge nations, you know, in eternity. He judges individuals in eternity, and each one has to give an account. But a nation, a people, temporally, we look at nations that have done well, and we, have, we look at nations that are doing terrible. If you took a closer look at how they were living as a people, you could probably determine why why they're having the level of success or failure that they're having. No one today would talk about, it's very few today, who will say God's judgment is here because we've sinned. They say, well, it's just a result of living in a fallen world. That's believers saying that. And they're not doing the world any favors by acting like God's just kind of hands off and he doesn't work the same way that he did in Scripture. Because you leave in the dark. Well, what are we supposed to do? 
God has made it clear to you, old man, <laughs> what you want to do, right? What's the Micah mandate? That's it. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. He has shown you, oh man. And yet we don't tell the nations God's going to bring judgment. Paul didn't have a problem saying that he was going to judge the world. And he was talking about not the cosmos. He was talking about the inhabited world. He was talking about the Roman Empire. He's bringing judgment, and he did. So my point in saying this, your will be done. First and foremost, our priority is that God would be honored. His name would be hallowed. His kingdom was come, would come. His influence would be seen in the obedience. And Jerry answered the question, how can we bring about his will being done? Well, what's, what's your responsibility first and foremost? It's not a trick question. Yeah, you start with yourself. Be holy as he is holy. Live according to what he has revealed in his word. He's made it clear we can't, we can't control everyone else. What we can control is ourselves, particularly when we have the Spirit of God living in us. Then, as our influence goes out, if you're the head of a household, you have a family, you can live your life and run your family according to God's word. If you're a business owner, you have an opportunity in your business, even whether you have believers or unbelievers, to abide by his will, his principles, in how you run and conduct your business. We're supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to make disciples, teaching all that Jesus has commanded. When we share the gospel, when we make disciples, we are naturally, organically, grassroots, having an opportunity to see His will be done by influencing people with God's Word, by applying it to every area of life. And as Jerry said before, on earth as it is in heaven, how is God's will done in heaven? Perfectly, right? It's the perfect pattern for us, the perfect example. You know, the, the elect angels obey at, a, you know, at his beck and call, and they worship him fully, sincerely, genuinely, uh, without fail, and they obey. And so that's what we want to see here on earth, right? Okay. Um, I had shared in talking about why this is important, first and foremost, because we want God to be honored. Um, I don't have time, but Psalm 2, Psalm 110. You know, Psalm 2, <laughs> and he tells the kings, uh, He goes, Ask of me, and I'll make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. If this is to kings... <laughs> and people in authority to acknowledge the King of kings, the Lord of lords. What does that mean for the rest of their people that they're head of if they don't honor God? And so we have to see that God's word and God's judgments and God's blessings are all still very much active today. Uh, and as a church, the church, we should understand God's word and how it applies so that we can properly disciple the nations. But we'll move on. Um, Give us this day our daily bread, is our fourth petition. And what does that mean? I know. <laughs> oh, no, he, he had preached on it back when the mentoring group was going through these different petitions. And so I know he's got much to say about it. But we'll give someone else a chance since he says, oh, I'll restrain. <laughs> um, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. 
So we spent so much time looking for into the future so far in advance and testing for things and, and, and things like that. But I always like how this is just focused on the particular thing. Mm -hmm. right? And it sort of goes along with Judas's admonition not to have anxiety over, you know, how our needs are going to be met and how it's focused on that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does he say later on, talking about not being anxious for anything? Um, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Um, but it's interesting. He still tells us to pray for it, right? And some people say, well, that seems like a contradiction. I'll go on the assumption that you all know it's not a contradiction. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's important. Um, you know, when he brought Israel into the land, um, what did he say? He goes, you know, you're going to have, you're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to, you know, drink from vineyards you didn't plant. Uh, he goes, but you're going to forget. And you're going to think, I did all this by myself. And you're going to get prideful and arrogant, and they were going to forget the Lord. And what happens when we have everything going our way? We got the job that we love. We got the money coming in. Everything's great. How much are we thinking about the Lord? You know? You see, there's people, we, we, and we talk about our, our brethren down in Cuba. You know, some of these guys, they have to go online each day. They don't, they don't have the resources, and they're not allowed to, to really keep up much in advance. They're, they're, they have to think about the daily provisions. And this is not talking about just your daily food. Um, as it was said, daily provision, you know, for all the things that we need for life. We're praying for it, recognizing that God gives it to us. It just adds that also that provision is what we need for that day to do the first portions of that prayer that we've already prayed. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other thing with regard to brought up a super person. This this is because we're so feeble minded and we do indeed forget. Mm. What's, what's the priority, right? right? Yeah. You know, we talked, we mentioned about loving God and loving neighbor. And I, I think it was last week when I, you know, where when COVID hit, Everyone was talking about loving neighbor. <laughs> no one was talking about loving God. So close down the churches, stop worshiping. You have to love your neighbor. And no one asks, well, how do we love God in this situation? But if you don't love God correctly, you're not going to love your neighbor correctly. It does flow. Um, and so having the priority, because what happens when you look at Deuteronomy, you look at the law and you look at when the Lord says, you know, do this and live, and I'll pour out these blessings on you. Don't do that, and there'll be curses. If they didn't make God their priority, if they chased after other things, and that's why they chased after idols, and that's why they allowed, <laughs> that's why they oppressed people. They didn't care when people were being oppressed. They put their needs, their wants, their desires first. And God says, you do that, I will take everything away. <laughs> So you go back to the drawing board and remember you're supposed to be worshiping me and I will be the one who pours out the blessings on you, right? And so, yeah, you see this pattern. He tells you clearly, um, seek first the kingdom. We see in the prayer the pattern, look first to God's kingdom and then look to the needs. God understands. It's all cohesive. The, the, the needs that you have are going to enable you to be the means that God uses to accomplish all the other stuff. So 
it all, it all works together. Um, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. He tells us to pray these things so that we recognize where they come from. He tells us to pray these things so that we would actually have hearts of gratitude when we see him answer, <laughs> right? He tells us to pray these things that we would trust him to answer. He's not going to tell us to ask for something that he has no intention of giving. Um, so this is, this is the priority, and not being anxious for tomorrow, you know. Uh, how many people today suffer from anxiety? How many people in the church struggle with anxiety? Um, and, that, and that's not to be dismissive of, of what people are going through, what people are struggling with. Um, I want to relay a story, but I, <laughs> I haven't cleared it first, so I'm not going to. <laughs> um, but what I would say is when it comes to, you know, anxiety, medication, stuff like that, um, there's sometimes a real need for that. There's our bodies, our, the chemicals, the hormones, stuff like that. Sometimes there's an actual medical need. If you've, talked, if you've heard Pastor talk about counseling, he will tell people if they're struggling with certain things, first to go to the doctor. <laughs> and get a, get a checkup, get some blood work, uh, because there can be physical things that cause you know, problems that we're having that we would attribute to mental or emotional stress. Um, and so we don't, we don't, we're not dogmatic, like, oh, no, to, to be on any kind of medication is sinful. That's not the position of our church at all. Um, having said that, though, recognizing that theology matters and... The better we understand God's sovereignty and what He's doing in our lives, uh, the promises He makes, the promises that He keeps, um, and the fact that, again, he, He's sovereign over all things, as we grow in our trust for Him, it's going to help us in those areas. Um, and I say that because we live in uncertain times, you know. And so, I mean, life is stressful day to day as it is. You have family, you have work, you have all these different stressors. Throw in a pandemic. I mean, we see the suicide rates going up. We, we see all the, the breakdown in society. There's a lot of things to be anxious for, and yet he tells us not to be. And so we want to continue to grow uh, in, our, in our sanctification there. And, you know, if we need counseling, seek counseling. But God is calling us not to be anxious. And he's promising to give us the things that we need day by day. And that's why he says, give us this day our daily bread. And he says, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough things. <laughs> worry about today, but don't worry. God will give you the grace that you need. Um, and so I hope that's a, a source of encouragement. And remember, give us Again, the corporate nature of this, even if we're in our prayer closets. You know, he's talking about the, the Pharisees praying on the street corners to be seen. Not that it's wrong to pray openly and in public and even on the street corner. But if the motivation is to be seen, that's where you've gone wrong. But even you go to your prayer closet, you know, and you shut the door and you pray this prayer. Give us. You're praying for your brethren, praying for their needs. And again... What does James say, <laughs> right? Um, don't just say, oh, be warmed and be filled and then do nothing. What kind of, <laughs> that's useless. We don't want to just pray for these things. When God gives us opportunity, we want to be the means that God uses to answer those prayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a terrifying thing. To here is obviously, if you're doing the right thing, if you're, you're right, 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 you're right,
even though maybe he sacrificed like the the woman who, who gave her last bit of oil to his father, right? Mm -hmm. God God provided through, through a miracle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some problems going on there, but I, I think that the mindset needs to be such that again you, you're obeying the first portion the way we're coming up to that. He's saying if you do, if you do it the right way, if you honor me, if you obey me, you have nothing to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, ditch on both sides, right. Um, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's the debt? Sin? Mm hmm Right? Um, So sin is a debt. It's likened to a debt that we owe. We have transgressed. Matthew Henry says we have a debt of duty, <laughs> um, and we deserve punishment uh, for that. So how do we pay the debt? Is there one way? Is there several? Can we pay the debt? The prayer kind of tells you, doesn't it? <laughs> it doesn't say, how can I pay this debt? It says, forgive us our debts. And here we are on Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> um, does everyone know <laughs> how he's able to forgive our debts? Uh, I'm trying to... I think, you know, I think so much stuff, you know, it's amazing. You go through these, uh, these different studies, and it's amazing how many things tie together, you know. And it seems like sometimes you're repeating yourself, and, and you're finding these things are all interlinked. I mean, that's, the Scripture is, you know, in full agreement with itself. And um, we're going through Thomas Watson's All Things for Good, and he was talking about the court of mercy and the court of justice. Um, and so I, I don't know if we talked about that last week or we're talking about it this week as we end. Um, and, and, you know, you hear this sometimes, um, you're not getting justice, you're getting mercy. And you're not. Um, you, you're, you're getting mercy if you are looking to Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. But justice is still being accomplished, right? That, that, that debt was paid, um, and, and Christ paid it. So... Obviously, we, our, our message today will be about uh, the resurrection. But God has provided forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ. And we're called to seek that uh, forgiveness. And this is a, a daily prayer, right? When we sin daily, we ought to ask for forgiveness daily. Why do you think that is? Isn't it once for all? Those sins are paid for once for all. We don't have to keep going back, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, again, recognizing where we, our shortcomings are, because how do you fix shortcomings? 
Yeah. Yeah, you, ha you have to. You're admitting them to the one that has to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's good for us. I mean, we're told. We're told to ask for forgiveness of sins. Um, you know, we're told in First John, you know, that if we sin, um, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It it's, goes along kind of like when you think about the daily bread, the daily provision. <laughs> we know God will provide those things, and yet He tells us to pray for it. We're recognizing our need, and we're recognizing who fulfills that need. And how much more so with the forgiveness of our sins? We need forgiveness. The weight of sin, the destructiveness of sin, it destroys us, right? We need forgiveness. And by recognizing that He will forgive us, our hearts are filled with gratitude. Again, not only for the daily provisions, but for the forgiveness of sins, that means we have eternal life. Mike? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. These prayers that we pray, <laughs> to have our daily provision of, of bread or, or whatever we need will help us <laughs> to honor God and, and advance His kingdom and, and to live faithfully to Him. You know, we need to be alive, we need to be well. And so much so, our, our spiritual state, <laughs> we need clean conscience. You know, we have to recognize sin so that we would... When we're mindful of it and we're confessing it, we're hopefully painfully aware of it that we would not repeat it, that our heart desire would be not to repeat it and not for our hearts to be hardened and just continue on in our sin. If our hearts are hardened, if we're just like, yeah, you know, I, I prayed once and I'm good. Me and God are good. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're probably making a shipwreck of your life and your various relationships and responsibilities. Um, but your relationship with Christ, really, what do you have? The relationship with the body of Christ. The ability to, are you going to honor? Are you making God's name hallowed when you're just continuing on your sin with, with never a thought, just thinking, my ticket's punched, I've prayed a prayer? No, uh, certainly not the case. So we, we need to be mindful of it. And confronting it, confessing it, it's part of true repentance, which is the mark of a true believer. Um, it helps to put that sin to death in our flesh that we would be more like Christ. Um, does forgiving others who have sinned against us become debtors to us merit our forgiveness from God? That's kind of an obvious one, right? Um, talking about the forgiveness of sins, I had a couple other slides here. What he says in, the, in the, the final part after the prayer is, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. So if we forgive, then God owes us forgiveness, right? That's, that's what he's saying there. No? I have it twisted? That's good. I'm glad to hear the chuckles. <laughs> People are like, that's what I was counting on. Um, no, it's a demonstration that if um, you think of Matthew 18 and the unforgiving servant, he had been forgiven everything, right? He had a debt he could never possibly pay, and then he went out and grabbed his fellow slave and started choking him for like a handful uh, of money, um, and his master delivered him over uh, for that. He goes, my heavenly father will also do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's not that your forgiving others will earn you salvation, but it's demonstrating that you're actually a true believer, <laughs> that you actually have been forgiven. It's God who forgives first, and His love in our heart makes us ready and willing to forgive others, knowing that that's what He expects of us, knowing that He desires to see unity in the body, <laughs> um, and we need to be willing to be restored and reconciled to one another. And that is, you know... We say, oh, yes, I, I forgave that person. I just hope I never have to see them ever again in my entire life. And if they drove off a cliff, well, hopefully they're in heaven. Whatever. <laughs> right? Um, we, we're so willing to cut people off. And it, it demonstrates maybe our forgiveness is not as genuine as we think. Uh, so we should be mindful of that. Um, 
it's, uh, it's very serious. Um, if we've been forgiven, we are to forgive others. We'll have to go to the last petition. This is actually the petition that the question came up that started this whole thing in the first place, and now I only have a few minutes, but we'll see. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay. So what is he saying there? Does God lead us into temptation? It helps to have that, first, that other verse first, right? <laughs> to have that, that sort of mindset that the way he says things is to get us thinking and remembering uh, certain truths, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What's he saying? Well, what about James? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Right? So he doesn't tempt us, but what does he do? Oh, Ashley, good. Mm -hmm. Yes, amen. Well, thy word is a lamp. Mm -hmm. So he does lead us. Along the way, we might be tempted. Mm -hmm. It's not God's temptation. Mm -hmm. We're asking God to protect us from the temptation, lead us away from the evil. Mm. Amen. Yeah, you, you want to when you're looking at this petition, you want to be um, aware of, of both parts there, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, that word there, temptation, the Greek word, um, it can be translated temptation. It can be translated testing, right? Um, so he says, well, saying, don't test us. Don't lead us, to the, don't lead us to the testing. But James gets us again. Count <laughs> it all joyous, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And Peter chimes in. Uh, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. Yeah, talking about that could certainly tie in. I mean, basically, I mean, he was testing Pharaoh, but he had his—he knew what was in Pharaoh's heart. You know, it's interesting. God talks about testing us, and yet, when God tests us, is, is he unsure of what's going to happen? Is he really wondering? Hmm, I wonder how they'll respond in this situation. That's in Matthew 4. And how does it say? The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? And so God clearly led him <laughs> to testing there, right? And we see other areas where God is testing us. Um, he says many times in the Old Testament how he is testing his people, you know, testing this one, testing that one. You know, he, he held back his spirit to see what he would do. You know, he tested Abraham when we talk about that, right, with Isaac. Now I know. So for Yeah, the, the, the driving force of it is that second half of the petition. Deliver us. Help us. You know, we're praying for our daily provision. I'm going to come right back to that. Don't let me forget. But I wanted to say something about testing. God talks about testing his people. 
And I tested to see what was in his heart. I tested to see what was in your heart. Now I know. Who thinks that God found out what was in their heart in the test? And God was sitting there going, mm, I wonder what he's going to do. Hope he doesn't blow it. Does anyone think that God didn't know? No, no one's brave enough to say that with all the chuckles. All right. So we'll assume everyone's fairly reformed here and believing in the, you know, the perfect knowledge of God, that we don't hold to open theism, we don't hold to a learning God, right? He knows. So why does he speak like that? Why does he speak about testing them to see what's in their heart, testing you to see what's in your heart? Yeah. Here's, I have found this to be true. If you tell someone about themselves, <laughs> I don't have that, 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 uh, that, where you had to tell someone, like, this is your attitude. If, you, if this happens, this is what you're going to do. I would never do that. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, it's a natural one with parents because, like, I was your age, and I have half your gen or you have half my genetics. I know what I would do in that situation, so I know what you're going to do. I would never. I'm innocent. I didn't do it. Of course they did. Those little sinners, right? But when the question is asked or we're put into the situation, then we get to see what's really inside of us. And that can be a good thing. Well, if you're a Christian, it's always a good thing, right? All things work for good. So if you pass the test and your faith is genuine, praise and glory and honor, right? And you can be encouraged and built up. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> right? If you fail the test, it's cause for repentance. I see what's in my heart. <laughs> I, I need to repent of this. I need to... Look to the Lord. I need to live my life for the Lord. I need to imbibe all those means of grace that I would be walking differently. So God tests us to show what's in our heart, not because He doesn't know, but because we don't know. We we're told to examine ourselves and to have a sober estimate of ourselves, a sober thinking about ourselves, that we don't think we're higher than we are. Um, and so we need, we need that. Praying this, like praying for the daily bread, praying that God would give us what we need. We, just to point out here, if you're familiar with this section here, um, right before Jesus is going to the cross, he's praying in the garden, and his disciples, Peter particularly, who said, I will go to my death for you, even if all these will leave. And he can't even stay awake to pray with them. Right? He goes, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, as he said, but the flesh is weak. Right? Peter was all gung-ho, I'll die for you. And he can't even pray with him. He's saying, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. He's entering into temptation. He needs help to be delivered from that temptation. We can think, oh, I, I will stand in the day of adversity. I will stand and do what's right. And it's pride, <laughs> it's arrogance, and it could lead to, almost certainly will lead to, our fall. You know, um, in Galatians it says, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Talking about body life and talking about the need to exhort one another and sometimes rebuke one another, but do it gently. <laughs> And do it carefully that you don't fall, right? And so we need to be mindful of the danger of temptation and recognize that on our own, we're not enough. We need Christ. <laughs> we need the Lord to deliver us from evil, to give us what we need to stand in the day of temptation, to stand in that moment. Um, and we have the great promise in 1 Corinthians, the Everyone should know, and if you don't know, memorize it. This is God's promise to you. In addition to the prayer, if he's telling you to pray for it, that means he's willing to answer that prayer. 
But no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide. He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay? So, God will provide for us in these things. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to... Got ahead of my notes, but I'm on track with my notes. So that's good. Does, everyone, does anyone have any questions about that last petition? Is it clear when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, what he's saying there? God does not tempt us to evil. God tests us. But as James says, we're led about away by our own desires. We're enticed. We want to go along with, it says, deliver us from evil. Some translations say the evil one, um, you know, Jesus, you know, was confronted by the evil one and was able to withstand the temptation by the virtue of the Spirit and the Word, right? And that's the example that he sets for us, that we have the Spirit and we have the Word. We have what we need for life and godliness. Um, but we should not be running into temptation going, I'll be great, I'll be fine, <laughs> and we're going to make a mess of ourselves. We have to recognize who is the one who delivers us. So we recognize our need for him. Any questions or comments about that before we close? No? Okay. So as we close, let's remember that this model of prayer is for daily use. It's for corporate use. It's for us individually praying for the body, praying for others, praying for our brethren, um, that they would have all these things, that they would be doing all these things. And when God gives us opportunity to help them along with that uh, and to be the means that he uses to answer these prayers. To remember that we're dependent on the Lord for everything and then we pray and we walk in anticipation that he will answer that prayer. Okay, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, uh, brief though it was, as we just consider uh, your word, the prayer that you give to us to be um, the pattern by which we would pray, to remember to keep our priorities straight, Lord, that we would seek your kingdom and understand that you will add everything to us that we need. And Father, we pray that we would be faithful to pray rightly and, Lord, to live and act in such a way, anticipating your answer to this prayer, that we would honor and glorify you in all that we say and do. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you for this day where we celebrate the resurrection and the world is celebrating the resurrection of the Savior. May it be a day where many come to know you today as Lord and Savior. Many will go to churches today out of tradition. May this be the day of salvation for them. Lord, that you would finally break that stony heart and give them hearts of flesh that can respond to the gospel. Lord, how we need you and how we need to see revival. We need to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would be with us as we worship you now. We pray that it would be sweet and pleasing in your sight. We pray that the message that Pastor Jensen has will be full of your spirit, Lord, that he would be anointed and that your word would go out with power. And Lord, we thank you, we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>